sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Dane and Kevin on a Tuesday morning, giving you everything you need to hopefully make it a profitable day. Kev, we were talking about the um, superlatives, shall we say, right? The big boys, the Cy Young Award, the ALNL MVP. I'm with you. I think we're going to see Shane Bieber. But I do want to ask you about this. Remember at the beginning of the season, in the condensed season here, and we were like, oh, could a reliever win Cy Young if they were that dominant? Hmm. And one of the other things we asked was, could a pitcher win MVP? When I saw these AL MVP finalists, I got to tell you the truth. I was surprised that Shane Bieber was not one of them, Kev. When I think of Ramirez, Abreu, and DJ LeMahieu, you know, yes, they were all good. Yes, all three of those teams made the playoffs and, you know, in large part due to what they were doing, right? But when I think about the Yankees, yes, LeMahieu was awesome, but there was a lot of other power hitters in that lineup. When I think about the White Sox, I even think about some of these other kids like Luis Robert that were, you know, uh, Eloy Jimenez that were helping that offense. When I think about the Cleveland Indians and you ask me why they were a playoff team, my answer is Shane Bieber. Right. So I wonder, did you were you surprised at all or do you think they're just going to give him a unanimous a unanimous Cy Young Award? And that's kind of like the honor he gets. I was a little surprised to not see him as a finalist for MVP. And I'll tell you, if at very least he may split a vote with and, and hurt the candidacy of Ramirez. We talked about this going into the season. Um, do you think Bieber maybe belongs as a finalist in the AL? No, because I'm someone on team no pitchers MVP. That it can't happen. They played sixty Even in this games. Season. We talked about he it. He participated this season, though, in being a little bit 12. different. No, no, I know we did right, but he played in twelve games. They played sixty games. He's not the reason that they went thirty-five and twenty-five. He's a big part of it. He's a huge part of it. But yeah, like how close that division was though. Is if he yeah, isn't no, amazing, I mean, does that make them out of the playoffs potentially? I don't think so. I mean, look, look, he was great. I'm not saying, he, like, Shane B was fantastic. It's just, I don't think you can win that award as a pitcher. That's kind of been my stance. Um, it is what it is, ultimately. And I'll just say this in terms of LeMahieu, though, in terms of, yeah. look, Luke Voigt was great, but anybody that followed the Yankees knows that on a nightly basis, it was like, oh, thank goodness DJ LeMahieu was on this team. For sure. You know? Um, yeah. I tell you, I will say, baseball is a very tricky sport. When it comes to trying to figure out, like, I could make the argument, in other sports you would hear, it's Mookie, he's the best player on the best team. But, like, in baseball, you're buoyed so much by the supporting cast. Like, that's why I would argue to people, like, oh, I'm more impressed that Trout, even though he missed the postseason, because there's no protection in the lineup. So, baseball, look, it's all over the place, man. It's why it's just one of the weirdest sports, and I think sometimes people don't realize how weird this sport is, but how much it doesn't fit into 2020. Nevertheless, um, no, I'm just out on pitchers winning the MVP. 
That's fair enough. In other Indians news, we've been talking about it. You know, there's going to be some buzz in the offseason, right? There'll be player movement the same way we're beginning to talk about it in the NBA. And there's a lot of reports that those Cleveland Indians are going to actually cut bait on Francisco Lindor. Lindor is a name that has been out there in trade talk heading into last season at the trade deadline this season. And now again, and I find it interesting, Kev, I'm even hearing reports here now in New York that the Mets may be a team interested. I'm hearing buzz about three-way deals even. And uh, talk to me. Do you think Lindor will actually be on the move in this offseason? And even further, could it be a move for the Mets and new billionaire owner Cohen to grab part of the back page of the headlines here as we welcome in our radio audience from around the country? Thanks for getting up on the grid with us, Dane and Kevin. Kevin, what do you think about this buzz surrounding Francisco Lindor possibly on the move and the Mets possibly being suited? I know Ahmed Rosario would be a free agent. So there is a position to fill there for the Metropolitans. Yeah, man, and it seems like uh, we're going to see Lindor move. Cleveland does not yeah. want to foot the bill. Um, worked out great for Boston when they let Mookie leave. So yeah. don't you worry about it. Nice move, Cleveland. It seems like uh, both New York teams are going to have interest in Lindor. Uh, from what we understand, you don't want to spend recklessly, but... I think it is necessary for the Mets to make a splash. Um, right. It's not that Cohen has to throw it around. We all know he's he's got money. He just bought a sports organization. I mean, we know he's got money, right? But the Mets, as a fan base, and we know it well being here in New York, uh, they had been waiting for not only the Will Ponds to be gone, but to be competitive in free agency, to feel like they belong in the market that they are actually in. So whether that be Lindor, whether that be Bauer, whether that be George Springer, uh, JT Riamuto, these are the big names out there. Yeah, The Mets need to bring in at least one, if not two, of these guys. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. Remember, there there are Marcus Stroman is also out there talking a lot of smack. The Mets will get some high-end starters back from injury as well, so we'll keep our eye on them. But I do think what's important to note is that they're going to, like, go for it a little bit more. So think about that as a factor, even in your futures bets, right? Because probably next year's trading deadline, they will be more mm-hmm. apt to make a splash. The last thing I want to mention here, you said it worked out well for the Red Sox about Mookie Betts. You know what else has worked out all right for the Red Sox, their thinly veiled attempt at, you know, parting ways with Alex Cora because after his one year ban, he is back as the manager of the Bo Sox. They signed him. You know, AJ Hinch is in Detroit, I believe. Cora is back. No actual punishment for Turner. You know, it's a little slap on the wrist. And then we keep it moving. I love the move, though. It was the, it was an all time great news dump. Everybody's in the, in the, he's right. in the election. They're like, "Yo, Cora's back." All right, guys, have a good one. Enjoy the night. Hope your guy wins. That is true. Hey, we've got news and notes in the NBA as well. Remember, the calendar continues to turn. We got draft prep, free agency, movement. When we come back, we'll talk it to the association right here on the early line. Let's see what the candle burner picks. Dr. David Chow. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. 
Welcome back in, everybody, right here to the early line, giving you the edge. That's what we do on the grid. Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh. And Kev, you know, we, we, we checked in on Major League Baseball, right? And we're going to have player movement. We'll, we'll, we're going to have awards announced. We're going to have managerial movement. We'll have salary cap stuff as the winter meetings happen. We're also going to figure out with all of these sports, like what it'll look like, what the salary cap will be, obviously, because we are in the throes of a pandemic, and what it'll look like logistically, right? And some of those questions, though, Kev, were answered formally in the NBA. You have heard the back and forth around when would the season start, right? Uh, would would players want to play at the very beginning, the turnaround time for the bubble teams? Meanwhile, some teams haven't played since March. But officially, Kev, right, it was in fact ratified. We do have an agreement for the 2021 season. And for me, the key parts of it, feel free to add on or correct me whether I'm wrong. We got 72 games as opposed to the normal 82 games of a regular season. It will, in fact, start in late December before Christmas. So we probably will have that christmas blitz of like four or five games on christmas day they had to yeah. kind of do some things around limiting back-to-back -back games in what is a condensed schedule then i i think the other mm -hmm. big marker um in terms of the calendar of it all is they needed it to wrap up by the 2021 summer olympics which is still slated to happen out there in tokyo i believe in like late july so this had it to wrap up uh by early mid-july those are the contours of the season and then you could backwards map from there everything from the draft to free agency to preseason mm -hmm. to all sorts of other things knowing that we'd put the ball in the air on december 22nd right kev yeah, it's it's really really exciting, um, man. Like it just kind of set in the schedule makers. Like, yeah, that's a bear, man, to figure that all oh, yeah. out. Um, that's a real, and I wonder when we'll get that released. I have no idea. Um, we don't have word on that just yet. But uh, free agency is going to begin on November twentieth, uh, with signings uh, being allowed to take place on the twenty second. But all that matters is the 20th at 6 p.m. Woj and Shams can start tweeting out exacts and letting us know who's who and, and what's what. Uh, we got some updates on the salary cap. Uh, it's supposed mm. to be remaining the same next season. Um, there's some luxury tax easing, which apparently is a massive win for the Warriors, helpful for the Nets and maybe the Bucks as well. Uh, people are once again back to being annoyed that the Golden State Warriors have things working in their favor. So I guess we mm. are returning to some level of normalcy and the other thing that's going to be really interesting as well is um they are working towards uh locking in a set date where they can begin trades contract opt-ins and right. opt-outs because right. we haven't had any of this even happen yet it's supposed to happen a couple of days before the yeah. november 18th draft i mean tomorrow puts us a week out from the draft mm -hmm. so maybe by week's end this can happen. This is all going to happen really fast, guys. This is all yeah. going to happen super quick. Okay? Before you know it, trade rumors, this guy's in, this guy's out, and the odds are going to try and shift with it. If you really, really desperately want a position somewhere in the NBA's futures market, all the power to you, I don't think it's really necessary unless you got an inside scoop on something that I don't. No, I think you absolutely need to wait. And you brought up a very interesting thing as well, the opportunity for players to opt out. You know, we're going to hear about that as well. And Kev, unfortunately, we may hear more than we heard with the bubble, right? Because this is not going to 
going into a bubble. As far as I know, we're planning on traveling, you know, yeah. and starting in December where we already know the status of the pandemic. But you also mentioned, Kev, the first like kind of domino to fall here is literally a week from tomorrow, the NBA draft will happen. OK, and there is yeah. buzz right now. You know, we've heard the name Anthony Edwards a lot, the kid out of Georgia. But it seems yes. like there is steam around a name, you know, Kev, that name is Ball, the ball in question being LaMelo Ball, there seem to be a little bit of reports. Either teams want to go get LaMelo or that he could be the first name called next Wednesday. Yeah, this is a, a really, really big deal. So Jonathan Gavoni of ESPN slash, uh, slash Draft Express has reported that around the league, the thought process is going to be LaMelo goes one to either the Timberwolves or a team that trades up Trading to up. draft him. And the teams that are in the mix, the Bulls currently with the fourth pick, the Pistons with the seventh pick, and then the Thunder and their copious amounts of draft picks. Right. That's a really interesting group from a trade-up perspective. SGA and LaMelo together, that's a really big backcourt. I'm a little bit surprised that the Thunder are looking to push all in on this draft, but they're going to enter Celtics territory, I think, guys. Anybody that's available, you just put the Thunder in the list of possibilities hmm. to add the player because they're going to have so many picks. The Pistons need talent. I don't know what they can give up to get to one, and they would be wise to be very careful giving up future picks to get to LaMelo Ball. That's my take on that. Although Blake's back, I don't know. Maybe they think they can compete. And then just quickly on the Bulls, there's some things to like about that roster. Billy Donovan is now the head coach there. This team wants to be competitive when we you know, pull out after the draft and we get ready for free agency. If the Bulls make a big splash, they're going to be a team on the cusp that we're going to have to buy or sell on. I'd be very interested if the Bulls ultimately make that move up to one. Okay, there's also, you know, obviously with a week left to go until the draft, we're going to hear rumors about trades as well. I'm looking at two teams, Kev. One is the Golden State Warriors who hold the number two pick, but I fundamentally believe that they are trying to win now instead of trying to bring along another kid, even if he is the Mm -hmm. second name called off the draft. And then there was also a report about the Boston Celtics maybe wanting to move up because they they have a lot of picks and they don't need three. They may be in a time where they need one quality player to really put them over the top whether it's boston golden state or otherwise do you hear about any you know contending teams that may be primed to make a move in the next week or two yeah so within this uh, and there again there was a, a piece put out by jonathan gavoni that had a lot of valuable yeah. information in there uh yeah. he did report that the warriors are exploring you know ways to trade this pick for potentially star level players though nothing has materialized yet they're gonna try I just don't know what deal is out there. We know that they have their eyes set on Giannis. It's not going to happen, at least not during this offseason. They're not going to land Giannis. But they want to, and having the two pick is is valuable. They're going to try every single thing they can to pull a big name into the mix. And also, if this salary cap thing does help them in the way that we are meant to believe, then maybe they are. Maybe they are going to be able to make that move. And I'll just add this quickly, Dana, as well, because right now the odds for the number one overall pick is up. Anthony Edwards got as high as minus 330. That number is down to minus 190. 
You can still mm. get LaMelo Ball at plus money, plus 160. Are you getting the best of that number? No. But you're getting a plus number when there's legitimate reports out there that this guy is going to go number one overall. That is value. No two ways about it. That is value. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously, there'll be a lot more buzz in the next, you know, seven or eight days. And we'll be here to follow it. But when it comes to veterans, I still hear the name Drew Holiday potentially being on the move in New Orleans. And also a more recent report here. I don't know if you saw this. The Lakers may be interested in bringing veteran big man and defensive presence Serge Ibaka to L.A. Maybe to fill that Dwight Howard role. You know, Ibaka could be a name on the move, whether it's Ibaka, Holiday or another name from the veteran side, the Chris Pauls, the Russell Westbrooks, uh, are you coming to believe that one of these names will be moving as well? Yeah, I think Ibaka is interesting. I think what the Raptors do this offseason is interesting. My friend and yeah. yours, FVV, right? I mean, is this guy going to get true. the Brinks truck Max deal, baby. Up? He... Max deal. Exactly. And here's another name I'll toss out to you, Dan, that we haven't talked about a lot. DeMar DeRozan. He's got a contract. Mm. He has the opportunity to opt in or out. I think there's an expectation that he will be opting out. I feel like the Spurs might be fine with that. I'll tell you this, guys. A little preview for whenever we sit down and we have to figure out who's in the West. It's really hard to tell you definitively that a team has no shot. Pop and his boys might fit that description. They have yeah. as big of an offseason as they've had in a while coming up. They could be near the bottom, expectation-wise at least. All right, we will see. We'll keep our eye on that because the NBA is coming back into focus. But up next, after the break, we got Matchin to discuss. We bring in our guy, mid-major Matt. Time, time for some time for some Matchin. Tuesdays and Wednesdays, if you needed your fiending for football, we've got you covered right here on The Early Line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Early line giving you the edge on SportsGrid. We welcome all of our radio affiliates back to the grid trying to get the edge. That's what we do, make it a profitable day for you. And in the middle of the week, we got Maction here. And so we brought him on last week. We're doing it again. Our friend of the show, mid-major Matt, joins us for a couple of minutes. How you doing, Matt? Doing well. Really excited for Tuesday Night Football. I like the ring of that. Yeah, mm. absolutely. We're covering all seven days with some football. Here's what I got to ask you to start. Let's just reset the deck, right? Because we had the first week of Maction last week. I know you said things like you thought the Buffalo Bills were the class of the conference and things of that nature. But now that you have seen these game, these teams on the field for a game, uh, were there any big surprises for you? Any teams that look dramatically better than you thought or worse than you thought? Because, you know, Kevin and I are interested in, like, the horse pole of all of this, right? To see where your perceptions of them are, to see if there's any value. What were any big takeaways from week one of them action? Well, the first thing is that I don't know if these teams worked on kicking. I think they missed like seven extra <laughs> points combined in like five field goals. And when you're playing totals, as Kevin will tell you, as you guys will say, I mean, playing totals, oh, you God. need your kickers to make field goals and extra points. And I'm the pretty sure every team had, 
Exactly. I'm pretty sure every team had at least one missed extra point or missed field goal. So that was pretty big. And, and number two, I mean, look, last year, Miami, Ohio was a big time team when it came to one possession games. And once again, they pulled one out. Now, granted, the interception Drew put through in the fourth quarter was a abominable one. It was a horrendous one. But Miami, Ohio just has that horseshoe right now when it comes to one possession games and Ball State's on the other end. They keep losing these one possession games. So it's hard because you've got the bottom with Akron and Bowling Green and Northern Illinois who are really bad, so you can't really tell how much, how good their opponents were. But, you know, this week we'll get some good matchups once again, and we'll see. You know, Toledo, Western Michigan will be really good. You've got Miami, Ohio, and Buffalo. Those will be really good. So, um, you know, the, the, the cream is still at the top, and the, t- the bad teams are still at the bottom. So, uh, you mentioned totals, Matt. I'm really – see, I was over the whole Toledo Bowling Green thing, and now I'm thinking about it again. The two games that went under were the two highest totals on the board. And both games had moments of like, oh, this is going to be a breeze. Toledo was up 21-0 with three minutes left, and then the score was 21-0 and a half. And then I don't know what happened in Eastern Michigan, Kent State, though. This game was looking like it was going to fly over, and then all the points disappeared. Is this a Mac thing? where sometimes games start hot and then nobody knows what's going on anymore. Should we be weary of the highest totals going under or just a couple of weird games that got it started? Well, you're you're preaching to the choir here as I had uh, Toledo's team total over and, you know, they're on the two yard line against their uh, sworn enemy and they kick a field goal. Like, seriously, what's up with that? But I mean, I just think part of it was week one, you know, jitters, week one rustiness. I think that some of these teams just, you know, didn't, you know, they started fast. I mean, look, Bowling Green's terrible. So Toledo jumping on. But then you also look, Toledo had some short fields on some of those turnovers. So, of course, they're going to score there. And when they had to matriculate the ball down the field, they couldn't do it. And Kent State, I mean, this is what Kent State did last year. They were hot for stretches, and then they were cold for stretches. And that's what happens when you have a spread offense and you add in the week one stuff, and that's kind of what you expect. So I don't think some of that stuff's going to happen this week. But, of course, there's some weather involved and some things that we'll get into Mm -hmm. as we talk about it. All right, Matt. So let's get into it and talk about it. At least now, what it looks like is we got three games on Tuesdays and then three games on Wednesdays. And in my look, the biggest game in the MAC tonight is Miami of Ohio going to Buffalo to take on the Bulls. The Bulls are nine and a half point favorites. Nine and a half is not 10. And the total in this one is 57 and a half. I remember last week you told me that you think Buffalo was kind of the top dog in this conference. They get a win, they are favored by almost double digits at home. How do you see this matchin playing out tonight? So Buffalo coming off the 49-30 win over Northern Illinois. They looked really good. The score was misleading. Northern Illinois scored a couple touchdowns when uh, in garbage time, but Buffalo's defense forced five takeaways, scored three times, and looked at all the part. And Jared Patterson was really good, and they didn't have to throw the ball very much. And when they did, they got Antonio Nunn involved. Buffalo looked like the team that should win the MAC. And then you look at Miami of Ohio. As I said, the horseshoe continued to be with them, and they did it without their starting quarterback, Brett Gabbard, who got hurt halfway through. A.J. Mayer looked like you know a, a backup quarterback had a couple of good touchdown passes had um some turnovers which was a bit of an issue and then they went to their fourth string running back zach Kahn. so that is something to look for here i mean we're not going to get a ton of injury information from these teams mm. I mean, it feels like fort knox when it comes to getting any sort of injuries i think this is just a bit too many points i think miami ohio's live here they beat buffalo last year 34 20 so there is a bit of revenge involved and i also lean slightly to the over here because i think buffalo is going to score mm. miami 
Ohio is going to score. Both these teams struggled against the rush uh, last week, and both of these teams want to feature the rush. So a lean to Miami of Ohio and a lean to the over on this one. The total is what I wanted to ask you about because Buffalo last week had consecutive scoop and scores. I don't care how good your defense is. That's preposterous. And then you also mentioned the pick six. I mean, 21 points generated from defensive touchdowns is just not really a normal thing. We know how good the defense is. These are supposed to be, you know, maybe the two best teams, certainly two of the best teams. Sometimes you get that quote-unquote playoff atmosphere and everything slows down. So you just think that the offenses are too good here, and that's how we get over 57 and a hook? Yeah, it's just a lean. I mean, the money, the money's coming mm-hmm. in that way. It opened, you know, a little bit lower. It's gone up a little bit. But I also think that the public just blindly bets maxion overs. I, I think that sure. at some point today, you may see sharp money come in on the under. Um, and when I say sharp money, because most people who bet this stuff, you know, they either just want to bet it because they're degenerates on Tuesday, which I have no problem with, or you're a sharp <laughs> and you know things. So if there's a buyback on this total, you know that the sharps were just letting this thing inflate a little bit to come back down. So. Look, I think there's going to be a lot of running in this game, and but you know, a lot of running leads to running clock, but it could also lead to first downs, chunk plays, and of course, Buffalo getting revenge on Miami for losing last year. So it's just a lean. If it keeps going up, you maybe you try and middle it and take the under. But for now, mm. I, I would lean to the over here. Hey, Matt, you're trying to help us become sharps in, in this conference. And so I got to ask you about what I think is a big game tomorrow in the MAC. This is the game with kind of the tightest spread in the conference this week. And it's Toledo going to Western Michigan under a field goal in this one. Both of these teams did win their conference opener last week. How do you see this one playing out? Toledo going to Western Michigan. See, here's the thing about this game is I don't we know both teams were really successful last week, but they both beat Akron and Bowling Green. So to me it's right, like right. Yeah, you did what you're supposed to. So Western Michigan won over Akron fifty eight thirteen. Their defense gave up a couple of scores early to Akron, which was disappointing because Akron's the worst offense in this conference. But then they buckled down and they and they beat him up. And Caleb Elby looked really good under center. Dwayne Eskridge, who's the sleeper type for the Mac player of the year here, um, the Syracuse transfer, he had a couple touchdowns and it, it looked really good. And he is a guy that was wide receiver when he got there. They transferred him to cornerback, and then they moved him back to wide receiver. And the run game looked really good. 180 yards with their with Jefferson, Tyler, and Kincaid, who uh, Jefferson came over from Michigan State. So Western Michigan's offense looked really good, but how much was that was that Akron? And then on the Toledo side, we just right. talked about it. They scored three touchdowns early, some of them on short fields. Eli Peters had four touchdown passes. Um, and, uh, you know, we don't know much about the, the Rockets. They are 0-6 against the spread their last six road games. Leading to West. Western Michigan here, but how much do we know about these two teams after two easy wins? Right, that's the issue. Now, we've got the Zips and we got Bowling Green in action today. Bowling Green at home is catching 20 and a half. Akron on the road is catching 27 and a half. Any chance you back either of these teams catching points? I'd be more apt to back Bowling Green. But I'm not going to with either of these two. Bowling Green game is going to have massive wind, 20-mile-per-hour wind. So that's something to consider here, especially with a team like Kent State who wants to throw the ball with that fa- uh, flash-fast offense. Um, they looked good last week against Eastern Michigan, but Eastern Michigan's offense isn't very good, and Eastern Michigan's defense is eh. I mean, Bowling Green has some talent. We don't know about Andrew Clare, their big-time running back. He didn't play in the second half. Um, this is a guy who is a big piece of their offense, but we don't know anything with regards to if he's going to play this week or tonight. So uh, the other stat 
is Bowling Green's under is hitting 14 of their last 18 games. And with the wind, and we've seen money already come in on the under, so that's probably the way to play that game right now is the Kent State under. Akron, no way. I mean, I can't. There's just no way. They were terrible. They had an early lead. Ohio looked. Ohio lost to Central Michigan. This is I mean, the Bobcats. Come on, even the Jets the covered half. nine and a half points yesterday. Come on, it's always possible if we're getting points. It is possible. Ohio won this game 52-3 last year, lost last week. I think they're going to be rather pissed off, and they're probably going to win this game rather easily. Frank Solich is oh, not going to gosh. take it easy on Akron in this one. All right, fair enough. Well, Matt, as always here on Tuesdays, thank you for spending a couple of minutes with us. I'm going to see now if when Toledo plays Western Michigan tomorrow, if that's a better kind of data point for you on these two teams as we move along. And we'll see if Buffalo continues to be the class with their game tonight in the MAC. As always, we appreciate you stopping by the early line and helping us become a little bit more sharp uh, with the action that we will be seeing over the next couple of days. We'll talk to you more next week. All right, man. Sounds good. Thank you. College right, hoops soon. Awesome. Gonzaga first half overs, Matt. Oh boy. I wonder if it'll have it actually happened, Kev. I was talking about it. Um, I was talking about it uh, with Brian off air, you know, different from college football, college basketball is played indoors, right? And Kev, you know, uh, teams play two, three games a week. It's not one game a week, right? You know, so the idea of moving the puzzle pieces, if that does happen, uh, is something we will definitely talk about. But just to preview real quick, Kev, there was the first AP poll out for the top 10 in college basketball. And you see some familiar names there, Kev, right? The Zags will be the number one team in the country. Baylor, Villanova, Virginia, who plays themselves some defense. And then them Iowa Hawkeyes will be the number five team. That is the first poll we have seen seen i have some concerns about how they will adjudicate and the logistics of basketball but we'll save that conversation for another day college football is the topic of the day and when we come back we'll look again at the top 25 break it down and start to look at some of the key games for this weekend in college football kevin and dane we'll be right back on the early line right after this SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, right here to the early line, giving you the edge on SportsGrid. Dane and Kevin. Kev, it's so great to have our guy mid-major Matt, right? Because, listen... Tuesdays and Wednesdays, right, are like a little bit of a downtime in the football cycle of it all. We know we have games, you know, in the NFL on Mondays and Thursdays. We've got our football Fridays. There's usually college action on Fridays as well. But you got to love Maction filling the hole on Tuesdays and Wednesdays and splitting it up half their games on Tuesday, half their games on Wednesday. Smart move by a lesser-known conference to get eyes and attention yeah. to their games, huh? No, I mean, they're going to become the kings of Tuesdays and Wednesdays. There's really yeah. no two ways about it. <laughs> I mean, it's again. I, I've I've been making this point since we've been, you know, getting to talk. There's no else on tonight. Like this is what I mean. The maxion is no longer as you know, kind of. It's not the DGen special. The right, right, right. <laughs> I bet a maxion game. No, right, right. I'm right. doing in game live tonight. I hope Miami of Ohio and Buffalo lasts a long time. We're on the sure. midnight Eastern, <laughs> right? We got nothing else. Sure. It's just start breaking into the futures market, like always. I mean, that's what it's going to be. 
Yeah, absolutely. Remember, we will eventually get back into things like Champions Leagues on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. They're taking a break because of an international break. Similar MLS playoffs will be getting going as well in a couple of weeks. They may be on the days in question as well. But we turn our attention to college football here. The matching is going. We talked about that. As we zoom out into more of the national picture, Kev, I got to tell you, this SEC news that is coming out yesterday is not good, Kev. Obviously, the SEC is king in college football. Those teams can even lose multiple games and still kind of be in the mix. But not if they don't play them, Kev. And so first we see LSU is shutting down their activities because of multiple players being quarantined. I don't want to call it an outbreak just yet, but they are dealing with something down there in LSU. Their game against number one Alabama is now uncertain elsewhere in the sec you talk about texas a&m as that team that you know won't necessarily have a sec championship game but will have other proof points well maybe they'll have less texas a&m suspending activities because of a covid issue multiple players on that team similar to how we talked about wisconsin you know what does it mean if they can't get to the finish line we'll have to see texas a&m potential outbreak lsu potential outbreak there has been a game that was set for saturday kev in the sec that has already been moved auburn was supposed to go to mississippi state this weekend mississippi state is dealing with an outbreak and that game has been now moved it sounds like that is being rescheduled for december 12th and kev that's already pretty far into december they're gonna play that game in december 12th i don't know to the extent to which Auburn will have designs on the SEC championship game, or they'll be now coming off with probably their big-time game against Alabama. But as we take a step back, we have three teams in the SEC with things they got to figure out, and some of these games are uncertain, even in the game for number one Alabama. How do you think, Mm -hmm. and we know the SEC has different protocols, right, than, say, the Big Ten, than, say, the ACC, right? We see how Wisconsin was handled. We see how Trevor Lawrence was handled. We see how things in the SAC is being handled, whether it's Dan Mullen wanting to pack the swamp, Nick Saban getting back on the sidelines. What do you think happens down south in the SEC with these, you know, COVID issues and moving the puzzle pieces around? Well, ultimately, I think what they're going to do is continue to use the flexibility that they afforded themselves by starting earlier. This is, to me, not the same thing as Wisconsin. Um, you know, for folks okay. that have been with this year, they'll know that I said Wisconsin's title hopes or college football playoff hopes were done with that outbreak because it's going to be too hard to make this these things back up. Well, why would the same not be true for an A&M, Obama? They played six games already. At the end of the okay. day, they've already put forward a pretty solid resume. Now, these teams you would expect are going to be able to get back out there sooner than later because that is kind of what we've seen from the SEC. I mean, Florida, I believe, missed two weeks in a row. So that's right now what it looks like Wisconsin will miss two weeks. Here's the reality, though, Dane. Bama's last scheduled game, A&M's last scheduled game, the 5th of December, okay? For Ohio State, Wisconsin, Oregon, it's the 12th of December. They already have a full week of breathing room. So if they ultimately never make up one of the games... So be it. They'll have that whole 12th week to make up a game. Plus, they have the fact that they will have played more games anyway 
over the Pac-12 and the Big Ten. Yeah, I mean, that is true. And right now we're assuming like it's just these teams and it's just one game or two. We will see. It's important to note, you know, sometimes when they shut it down, we don't know if it's one week. We don't know if it's multiple weeks, but they are on pause at this point in LSU, in Texas A&M. And as we, we can already say, Mississippi State and Auburn will not happen, at least not this Saturday. But, you know, Kev, and you're right, right? They already have some games and the resume is what it is. But as we move along, the SEC, just like the NFL is, right, is going to lose some of that wiggle room, right? If we don't know who's scheduled for the next week and if that compromises, say, an Alabama or a Georgia or a Florida, right, if one of these other teams, you know, call it Texas A&M, if they can't play, we will see the extended ripple effect for right now. What we can report is that LSU, Texas A&M are stopping their activities, putting their games this week up in the air, and one game has already been officially moved to December 12th. I just fear the Mm -hmm. compounding effect of things in the same way we talk about it in the NFL with something like Week 18. You talk about the wiggle room they have there in the SEC, but, you know, even that wiggle room will start to disappear, right, Kev? No, it it will, but also, and and I'm not telling you anything that you don't know, there's a difference between the NFL needing to worry about 32 teams at strict time frame, and, you know, it'd be like if if the AFC East only had to worry about the AFC East. They'd figure it out, right? Do you think the the NCAA will wait for the SEC? My God, would they wait for the SEC? Yes. Think about it, though. Would they wait for it? Think about it, though. Dave, this is the thing. They're they're not going to have to. The, okay. Alabama has is six and zero right now in the regular season. Right, that is Oregon's best case scenario. Right, you know what I'm saying here? Like, I yes, I do. I think what I'm saying is, what happens if here and there SEC games have to be moved? What have you? Right, what if that has to push back? Like, I don't know what wiggle room say the SEC championship game has. Right, and at some point. The the, mm-hmm. the the college football playoff has to declare, right? I just worry if what if they have to push back a championship game and there are different timelines. These these entities are not all under the same umbrella, right? We know right. these conferences are making different yeah. decisions. That's that's my fear. If somehow an SEC championship game has to get pushed back, already we're seeing regular games on the weekend of December 12th. Right. So right. that means right now the SEC championship game can't happen until after that. I think that's already the weekend of the 19th of December, Kev. The thing is, they they might play it on the 12th, though, because if other teams like I remember there was something they did with a big 12 game. That if was it doesn't have, impact Oklahoma State championship, yeah. if neither of those are, teams. Yeah, that, then they won't move it back, which, okay. which right now the Auburn game we're talking about would be very surprising if that game be. mattered to the it SEC title game. The other thing is there's a bit of a gap between when conference championships are and when these college football playoff games are. Sure. Right? A the couple regular of weeks. bowls, right? Yeah. So they'll use that room as well That's for themselves. Okay. To be to be honest, Dane, I don't worry about the SEC. The team that is the most on watch is Ohio State. That's the team. Right, because firm protocol, Bama, right? Notre Dame, Clemson, they've already put forward so much. Oregon is behind the eight ball as it is. Your Cincinnati, your BYUs, they've already played a ton of games. It's Ohio State to me. That is walking on a thin line that we've already seen with the Big Ten. Ohio State loses two games. 
it's just it becomes really difficult then and then do they get jumped while being idle you know wisconsin is down to 13 in the country I think they were nine. I think they filled four spots, right, for being idle now in two weeks. And I wonder, you know, you say you don't worry about the SEC, but remember, there are teams like Texas A&M, right? If they're idle and lose some of that proof point, I understand what you're saying now, not only with Ohio State, but with Ohio State opponents, right? If they wind up, you know, kind of compromising and that first or second week happens to be a date against Ohio State, well, then they lose a proof point similar to what we're talking about LSU, right? They happen to play Alabama this week with Texas A&M. I don't know who's on their schedule for the second week. If it pauses that long, there are ripple effects and we will see. But as we go to the top 25, Kev, because we got to see who these teams are, right? That we do believe Mm -hmm. are playing and are in fact contending here's what i noticed you made the point kev there's not many um marquee matchups this week right like last week there are a few instances of ranked teams versus ranked teams obviously notre dame and clemson comes to mind the georgia florida game comes to mind the byu boise game comes to mind even indiana over the michigan wolverines getting into the top 10 comes to mind there aren't examples of that this week as much. What I did notice is that a number of top teams, I believe seven of the top 11, are on the road in conference. And I just don't think they all get through. You add the idea that maybe one of them gets tripped up. You add the idea of the SEC scheduling mix. And I know you're seeing some some teams move up, leapfrog my group of five chaos teams like a Florida, like Texas A&M. What are your big takeaways kind of in the movement of the top 25 in the context of COVID and some of the games you expect to see this week? So this is why betting is very important. The lines are very important when we talk college football. Dan, if I told you a top 10 team loses to an unranked team, is that an upset? Generally, yes, but it depends on the situation. Virginia Tech's favored this week. Unranked Virginia Tech is favored to host number 9 Miami. It's not an upset. Now, it will be labeled an upset. Right. It would obviously impact Miami's positioning, but it is the favored outcome. So just think about that when you look at the college football playoff rankings. Your Indiana, your Oregon, mm-hmm. outside of that, we're not worried too much. But Miami is expected to lose this week. Now, right. again, they will be docked. They should be, rightfully so. But that's a big deal, Okay. And it's not an upset. It's the favored outcome. And I will tell you this. When you see this spot, there's going to be a lot of people that go, I got the nine team in the country. Right. You know, whatever. There's a number in parentheses. Oh, let me take them. That's what the knee-jerk reaction of the public would be, right, Kevin? Yeah. I've always said that this is basically the book capping the game for you. They've told Mm. you who they believe wins this game. Now, last week, oddly enough, Virginia Tech, same spot. Unranked versus ranked laying points. The difference? They're ranked 17 points to Liberty. Now, they actually did lose the game, which was pretty wild. But just keep that in mind a little bit here, okay? Is that we're talking about a yeah. two-and-a-half-point spread. I actually did this last year. Miami was ranked against, oh, I don't know, maybe Virginia, I think. And I was like, okay. ah, I'm going to take I'm gonna, I'm gonna take the plus money. I still think Miami wins. I knew I was going into a trap, if you will. I was wrong. Yeah. Virginia won the game. Like this, and this just in of itself thing, because I know you're trying to figure out who drops here because we don't have marquee yeah. matchups. 
Again, yeah. Miami favored to drop. No, absolutely. And I, I want to take your point and kind of extrapolate out on that, right? Like, it's not crazy. It's not crazy to think. Obviously, you picked one where it's actually favored to do so. But I want to talk right. about that, like, in general, right? It's not crazy for even these upper echelon teams to stub their toe on the road in conference. You identified one that's favored to happen. But the idea that none of them are going to happen, I don't think I can bet with that. We'll preview a couple of more of those when we come back. We got Joe Lisi tomorrow. It's college football time. Time, time for some time for some action all across the country. We'll be right back with more of the early line after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hey, welcome back in, everybody, right here to the early line where we put the fun and functional sports content 7 to 9 a.m. Eastern time every Monday through Friday. Smitten statistician and the candle burner. Kev, you know, you identified that, you know, this Miami spot, they're actually, they're dogs in this one, yeah. right? And there's others that are favorites, even borderline big favorites, right? But this is where teams get tripped up. You know, we saw a couple weeks ago, like, Georgia struggled to get past Kentucky at Kentucky. Mm-hmm. I think that final was like 14-3, right? So it's not crazy crazy that it can happen it's not like i'm gonna necessarily bet them but miami is not the only one kev number 10 indiana on the road in conference to michigan state you're irish on the road to boston college an above 500 team in that conference right uh texas a&m right if they were to play we don't know if that's gonna happen they're at tennessee a conference foe uh you talk about bama if that happens they're on the road at death valley right um oregon even who people think may be the pac-12 team of note here that could run the table they have a road date against i believe mike leach in washington state at washington state ohio state even is on the road in conference at maryland who's above 500 now i'm not saying the buckeyes are going to get upset and that sort of thing but these are spots i would be willing to bet kev that out of these seven not all seven get through unscathed you know what i mean so uh do you think anybody else could be on upset alert so you you, again you try and look at it boston notre dame not covering 13 and a half to boston college off of that big win sure losing that'd be jarring here's the thing indiana's laying seven and a half michigan state beat michigan They've been embarrassed in the two other games. Last week, they just got blown yeah. out by 40 almost, okay, to Iowa. Eh, it's hard. Maryland, Ohio State, I mean, we're not going to buy that. I'm sorry we're not. Baby, too. I, I love it. He's exciting. They beat Penn State. We, it's hard for us to buy that. Um, of course. A&M is not supposed to be playing. We don't know if Bama's playing. I think the Oregon game is interesting. Right. Uh, you we know, don't know Mizzou if the now are yet. So here's the thing. Washington State, now coached by Rolovich, right? The Hawaii head ah, coach. Thank you. And they're going to be trying to go fast. That's what the expectation is. That game last week against Oregon State looked like a number, and then it just flew over the number. A team that can score like that, they're tricky. All right. Fair enough. Tomorrow's show, we'll have our guy, Joe Lisi. We'll go for the two with all of this, and we'll continue to break it down, giving you everything you need to be profitable. For my man, Kevin, I am Dane Martinez, right here on Sports Grid. The Edge continues. The morning after is up next.
BetOnline.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.